Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. Praised be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. I'm Alexandra Sullivan. And I'm Father Connolly. Welcome to Raising Saints, Helping Kids Hear God's Voice. We're a priest and a mom who are eager to do our best to answer kids' questions about God, the church, the faith, and more. Most importantly, to help them to grow in their relationship with God and ultimately hear His voice. Hi, Mrs. Sullivan. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. So am I. So today we're doing a little something different. Instead of answering questions, we're going to do a little Lexio Divina. Yeah. Um, so before we dive into that, should we just start with a prayer? Let's do it. Okay. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. Your word through whom you've created us, uh, in whose image you've created us. We ask you to help us to grow more and more in the image of your son, your word, which you speak so lovingly at every moment. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we mentioned last time, um, that we would be doing this. And we just thought this might be a, a nice way of, of offering a, another opportunity for prayer, right? And something that I didn't really do growing up, uh, Alexandra, you're doing with your kids, which I think is really, really great, uh, spending a little time with scripture and not just reading it like it's any other book, but um, using scripture, if you want to use that word, um, Accepting the invitation of scripture, maybe is a better way of putting it, uh, into deeper prayer. Right. So that's what we're going to do now. So this episode is going to be uh, just one big old Lexio Divina. And we invite you to, to uh, if you have a Bible, mm-hmm. if you'd like to take it out and, and follow along with us. Otherwise, um, Alexandra is going to, to read the passage upon which we'll be meditating so you can just listen along and, and that's just fine too. Um, do we, um, well, do, should we should kind of give a, a, a quick rundown of what Lexio Divina is? Because there might be some kids who okay. are listening or some families yeah. who are not in the habit of doing this. Good so, idea. Yeah. So 
What does Lexio Divina actually mean? Well, in Latin, Lexio Divina literally means divine reading, right? Or holy reading. So, of course, when we read scripture, that is the living word of God. It is his presence with us on the page. Um, and so we read scripture. It's a divine reading. Right. We're going to read through it um, and listen to what's happening and try to use our imagination and think through what's happening and our reactions to that. And that's how Father Connolly is going to guide us through this. Um, so the next two episodes really are going to cover one very, very important passage. Of course, they're all important. The, the whole of scripture is, is incredibly important to us. Um, but so this week, we're going to look at the first half of the story and pray with that. And then next time, uh, Alexandra will lead us in, in praying through the second half of the story. And that story is the walk to Emmaus, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. So uh, you might already be familiar with that story when you just hear the word Emmaus, right? But in case you're not, this is at the end of St. Luke's gospel. Jesus has died on the cross. He has been buried and he's risen. But these disciples don't quite understand that yet, or they don't really believe it. And in their sadness, they're wandering away from Jerusalem. They're on their way to a place called Emmaus. And along the way, Jesus comes to them and meets them. And they can't recognize him. So they're talking with Jesus, and they're telling him about what happened. Of course, he knows it happened to him. But uh, they're telling him anyway, because they think this is just some friendly stranger. Um, and eventually, they come to the end of the day after walking all day, and they invite him to stay for dinner where they're going to stay. And they're having a meal, and it's at that meal that Jesus allows them to recognize who he is. And as soon as they do, then he disappears. Yeah, so that's our background here. Mm. So we're when we're look when we're listening to this, we need to remember that Jesus has died and already risen, and what is going on, and and thinking about how the disciples might feel prior mm. to this. Um, so that gives us a little bit of the idea of, uh, as we're going into this and imagining what the scene might look like. So, so this is from Luke chapter twenty four, uh, and today we're going to be reading verses thirteen to twenty seven. Okay. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Clopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. 
and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So let's take a moment now and let's thank God for speaking to us today. Thank God for speaking to us in scripture, not in a way that we can hear his voice like we hear each other's voice, but nonetheless, God's word speaking to us directly to me and to you. So much does he love us. And take a moment and try to place ourselves in the midst of this story. Try to place ourselves in the disciples' shoes. I invite you, if you want, to close your eyes and, and use your imagination here. And really think about where are we? Where are we right now? That very day, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. What day? It was the day of the resurrection. That very day, the greatest day in history. The day that Jesus won. The day that Jesus conquered over sin and death. The day that the tomb was emptied. That very day. And yet, we don't know yet. We don't know that he's won this victory. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Who were they? Who were these disciples? Not just followers of Jesus, but they had names. They had lives. They had families. They had jobs. Who were these disciples? We hear a little later on, one of them named Cleopas. It's interesting, that name Cleopas, it could also be the name Clopas. And Clopas, uh, though we don't know for sure, was believed by some to be the brother of St. Joseph. Clopas could have been Jesus' uncle. So here's Jesus' uncle walking away because of how sad he is, because his nephew, he, whom he loved so much, is dead. What happened? This isn't just any follower. This isn't just a student, but this is Jesus' family. We know from the end of St. John's Gospel in chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. So this really could be Jesus' own family here, walking away, 
his uncle, his friend. Think about those relationships that we have in our lives um, and how much we love each other. And when someone whom we love is hurt, how much it hurts us. So here this Cleopas or Clopas, the uncle of Jesus, is walking away. Who else is with him? Well, maybe it was somebody who had heard Jesus preaching. Maybe it was someone who was sick and was healed. You know, Jesus spent so much time in, in Capernaum and all of these other places. Go where you're ready. Okay. So we're wondering who could this other disciple have been? And maybe it was someone who was a longtime follower of Jesus. Maybe it was someone uh, who had just heard about him, had just seen this great entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday when they threw him a big parade, right? They welcomed their king. Um, or was this his cousin? If Cleopas is Jesus' uncle, could it be his son who is with him right now? We don't know a whole lot about him, but we know that, that his name was Simon or Simeon, and we believe that he became the second bishop of Jerusalem. You know what a bishop is? A bishop is a, a leader of, of a group of the faithful. So, for instance, in New York here, our bishop is Cardinal Dolan. Imagine that. One moment, this is Jesus' cousin. The next moment, he's wandering away from the city because of how sad he is at the loss of his friend and his cousin Jesus. But then you see God's plan for him unfold as he eventually becomes the leader of all of the faithful in Jerusalem, following after James, James, the brother of John and son of Zebedee, one of those fishermen whom Jesus called in the beginning. So who are these disciples? Really, it could be anyone. It could be anyone. It could be Cleopas. It could be Clopas and Simon. It could be you and me, right? And that's part of God's wisdom in the way these stories are written by the evangelists, by those who wrote the Gospels, by St. Luke here. Those two disciples, that could be you and me, because we, like they met Jesus, we have met Jesus. We have met Jesus in one way or another. We've heard him speaking to us. We've heard him call us by name. We've, we've felt his healing power in our lives. And we've also um, known that he's with us in, in bad times. But when we think about his passion, his sacrifice on the cross, it makes us sad too, doesn't it? Because we love Jesus. So we, we don't want him to suffer. But of course, he does. So maybe uh, it's not Jesus himself, but maybe it's someone else in our lives who's suffering and we're sad and we feel like we're wandering away. We just don't know what to do. We just don't know where to turn. These two disciples were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking away 
Where's Emmaus? We don't know. And maybe that's the point. They didn't know where they were going. They just knew that they had to leave. They were so devastated. Everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had known, everything they had left their whole lives for to follow Jesus seems over, that they were wrong. And so they wander away to Emmaus. We don't know where it is. Did they know where that is? Maybe, maybe not. Most likely, they just had to walk away. Maybe you and I know that feeling too. We don't know where we're going to turn when things are just getting too hard. But what happens? Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus himself, he comes to them. He reminds them that he is always with them. Again, we know this is the great day, the day of the resurrection, the day that Jesus wins. And so Jesus himself drew near, but they can't recognize him. Let's place ourselves in that moment. We're walking with these disciples. How far had we already gone? How long had we been walking? Are we sore? Are we tired? Are we thirsty or hungry? What does it feel like in that moment? Not just in our hearts, but maybe physically in our bodies. We're, we're at the end of, of what we think we can do. And then this stranger comes along. Did they hear him? I wonder. Did they hear Jesus coming? As he was walking towards them, they hear the crunch of the sand under his sandals. Did they hear his, his breathing? Did he call after them? You know, like at recess, maybe your friends want to catch up to you. Hey, wait up. Did Jesus call after them? Um, or did he just appear? Would they have even noticed? Or are they too focused on their pain? If, in fact, these disciples are, are Clopas and Simeon, the uncle and the cousin of Jesus, had they been sharing stories with each other? You know, maybe if you've lost a loved one, if someone in your family has passed away, you know that before the funeral, you go and you gather at the funeral home and, and everyone shares a lot of stories about that person. Is that what's happening here? Are they talking about those hidden years of Jesus, the childhood of Jesus, the things that we don't read about in the Gospels? Now, why can't they recognize him? Don't they know his face? Don't they know his voice? Why don't they recognize Jesus? Because he doesn't let them. Right? God is all-powerful, and God has a plan. And he makes it so that they can't recognize who he is. He doesn't want them to see all in one instant. Maybe that would just be too much, too much to take all at once. So sometimes we want to know all the answers, but we're reminded that God reveals his plan. He reveals his life to us slowly because if we knew all of it all at once, it would just be too much. Our, our minds and our hearts would burst for, for love of God and and all that he wants to show us, but he lets us take our time. It's interesting as we continue to read with our friends, these disciples, Jesus asks them, what are they talking about? And 
what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And they tell him all of the bad things that have happened, but they know, they go on to say that some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, that he wasn't there, that they saw angels, that they said he was alive. So they've heard this this testimony, right, that when somebody tells you what they have seen, what they've heard, that's called a testimony. And they've heard this testimony of these women and then the other disciples who went and saw for themselves. They have good reason to believe, but they're just so sad. They're so broken in their devastation. They just can't believe it. We wonder why. Why don't they believe? Maybe it's just too good to be true. Are they proud? Do they think if we can't see it, it can't be true? I wonder if they're afraid. I wonder if they're afraid. What if he comes back and and we're not honoring him the way we should? Will he be angry with us? What if it's true that he's alive and he finds that we're not living the good lives that that we're supposed to be living, that he taught us to live, to love each other and to forgive our enemies. I wonder if they were afraid. Then we hear, as we're walking with these disciples, we hear Jesus say to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What was it like to hear him say that they were foolish? Did that hurt? Did it hurt their feelings? But how did he say it? Did he say it in a mean way? I can't imagine that that Jesus would speak that way. Sometimes we get angry with each other and we say mean things. I don't think Jesus could speak that way. How did he say it then? Was he smiling? Was he laughing? Then he says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Necessary. How could it be necessary for this Jesus whom we loved so much to suffer? How could it be necessary for any of us to suffer? That's a question that that we ask God a lot, isn't it? I wonder what it was like then as we... Read a little bit more. Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 27. What was it like as we stand there in our imagination, in our minds, we stand there with these disciples listening to Jesus speak to us from his own mouth all of the things that had been revealed through thousands of years that talked about him, that taught us about himself. What is it like to listen to that lesson from the master himself? So Jesus, we bring all this before you. We ask you to help us to grow our love for you. We know that sometimes we're so sad. Maybe we're suffering or someone we love is suffering. Someone we're really close to like family. We think that we'll never see 
uh, a happy day again. We'll never be happy. We'll never be joyful again. It just hurts too bad. But you show us here, Jesus, that you come to us at all times. You come to us, especially when we're hurting the most, even if we're seven miles away from where we should be. You come to us however far we've gone um, to show us your love, to show us that, that you're still with us, to explain to us in your time, not ours, all of the things that you want us to know about yourself. Most importantly, that we're with you always. So help us to see your presence with us, even and especially when we're hurting, when we're tired, when we're sore, when we're sad. Help us to know that at every moment, Jesus, we're always, always with you. We pray glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So also, I would just say, um, if some of those questions while you're listening to Father Connolly were interesting to you or made you think of something, that's something that you can take to prayer at another time, or you can sit even quietly now um, and talk to God about those things that occurred in your mind and in your heart during that time. That's how Jesus speaks to us. And so when we, when we feel an emotion or, or think of something in prayer, um, we want to pay attention to that and speak to God about those things. So if you're old enough and you can jot those things in a journal, that's helpful at times. Um, but also just spend some time quietly talking about those things in your own words. So thank you, Father Connolly. That was great. Welcome. So folks, next time we're going to pray with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Andrew's going to help us um, to pray through the rest of this story and see what Jesus has in store for us. Yep. That'd be great. Okay. Until then, God bless you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Raising Saints. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something about the faith, the church, and God. Most importantly, we hope you've heard God's voice as he calls out to you in love, as he calls you to a friendship with himself, as he calls you to be a saint. Until next time, God bless you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.